Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. This week we are talking about our teenagers. We are talking about how do we talk to our teens about God's love, about who Jesus is, in a way that is compelling, that draws them in, that is appropriate to where they are in life, and is ultimately how do we create an environment between our heart and their heart so that the Spirit of God can work? You know, you and I, again, and I've said it over and over on this podcast, but you and I are not responsible for our child's salvation. But we have been invited into this sacred privilege to walk alongside of this unique person that God gave us and to shepherd them in a way that helps create this environment for conversation, for exploration, for time to understand identity, so that ultimately they realize they need a Savior. They need a Lord. You know, and in our teen years, it's Sometimes I know I've talked to a lot of moms of teenagers and in walking in the teen years with our kids, we begin to feel anxious. We begin to get worried as moms. We begin to doubt everything that we've ever done so far. Maybe we're not seeing things shift the way we wanted to or we're watching our kids take paths that we're scared to death are going to go the wrong direction. And we wonder where we made a mistake. We wonder where we got off course and we wonder if we can fix it. And so first of all, I want you to know you're not in charge of fixing it. I just want to say that again, you're not in charge of fixing things. You can from this day forward, Surrender your own parenting to God and ask him to help you, to give you great wisdom and understanding and even his compassionate eyes to see your child. And you can change course and you can begin again. There's mercy new every day for us as parents, but it's not up to us to fix things. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, I've heard all that you've already said and I really haven't done this well yet. And it's probably my fault that my kid is where they are or doing what they're doing. And I've wrecked it all and the enemy is eating your lunch. Then I want you to stop for a minute right here at the very beginning of this time together. And I want you to rest in the understanding that our God is a sovereign God 
He has never taken his eyes off of you or your child. He's not surprised at where your child is. He is at work in you because he wants you walking hand in hand with him, mama. So you've come to a point where maybe you're like, oh, I see things differently or I want to do something differently. That is beautiful. Take a minute with the Lord and sit with him because his mercy is new every day. So for you, you can get up after you take a few minutes, come back into this podcast, knowing that you are right where you need to be, walking at the right timing. God's not scrambling up in heaven, trying to figure out, go, finally, she got her act together and we can get to work on her kid. Nope. That is not how our God interacts, not with us and not with our children. And if your heart is just breaking for your child and it is a painful place and we're about to step into some ideas for our teen years and your heart is breaking, then before we even start talking about what we're talking about, I want to remind you that your God is pursuing your child, wanting him or her to come to repentance And we know that repentance, that turning away from sin, is God's kindness leads us to repentance, and his kindness leads our children to repentance. It's not us parenting perfectly that leads our child to repentance. We could do everything perfectly, and our child could still be a mess. We could do everything terribly, and our child could have experienced God's kindness and be walking with a repentant heart. But you and I are also called to repentance, and we are also called to walk submitted to Him. So I just wanted to kind of set the tone. This is where I think most times when I sit down one-on-one with mamas, there's a lot of emotion here. And so I really want you to know that I hold tender space here. I have struggled with my teens I have fought with my teens. I have done things horribly wrong with some of my teens. The Lord has taught me truths. And I just want to share them with you. Mainly because I want to say, you can, from this day forward, pivot to Jesus and do things differently. And God will honor it. He is among us. So today we're talking about our teenagers. And as a brief recap to go back, to come forward, I just want you to remember, and if you haven't heard these episodes, this week they're actually going to become very clear. Like we're going to keep pivoting back through the old episodes as we talk this week. But as a brief overview, we talked about that our kids, when they first come out, when they're little bitties, You know, we are really talking all about the who, the who, who God is. And then as they go into the elementary years, it's all about the what, what did he do? What is, what is the Bible about? What is the fact that Jesus saved you? What's that about? That's the elementary years. That's the conversations that we run the story through their lives. And we, we, everything reflects the story 
of salvation through Jesus and his great love for us. And then we came last week into the tween years, those middle school years, and then it became about the why. You know, we're, we're planting their identity in those tween years down in the fact that God, the maker of the universe, who set up this concept of salvation and redemption and this great rescue, he not only did it, he did it for you because you are his prize possession. He loves you. You are precious in his sight. And we talked about that last week. How do we paint that and weave that in the foundation, the underpinning of who they are so that when they go out into the world and the world says you are not, you are not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, you're not popular enough. Their underpinning says, I am because the great I am says I am. And now you have this teen. And in every episode, we've been talking about what what is their stage and what's the goal. So the stage that this teenager is in is they are full throttle going towards independence, right? It doesn't matter if our kids are college bound or career bound. They only want to get away from mom and dad and establish their own independence. And that is good. Like we want to capitalize that on that urge that they have. In fact, we want to boost it. So if you have a teenager who's hesitant in this way and and they're not sure they want to go out on their own, then I want you to even see the lens that that is a good thing. And we are walking inside and we are going to capitalize on that urge they have for independence. And we're going to push them towards independence because we are going to push all of our gospel conversations through the lens of wisdom. And you and I are not the source of wisdom. So what worked when they were five, which was, no, don't touch that. And they say, why? And you say, because mommy said so, is not the way we're going to interact with our teenagers anymore. No longer do you and I have the the end wisdom perspective. Although you and I would argue, right? I would argue, I mean, I have wisdom and I know probably the wise thing to do in most situations. But what we're going to be seeking to do in these ages between 13 and launch time, whether that's college or career, is we are shifting a conversation not from don't do this or do this, or that's a good idea and that's a bad idea. We are shifting the whole conversation to what is the wise choice. And when we began in our home to shift the conversation, we had been having a real antagonistic relationship with some of our firstborn kids because we didn't know this. And so we were still trying to thrust on top of them this, this is the rule. And it was this beautiful moment. And honestly, my husband caught it before I did. And he flipped one day, we were sitting with one of ours, and he just said, what would be wise for you to do right here? Because we had been arguing semantics and arguing why this rule shouldn't apply. And so-and-so doesn't have that rule. And no one else does it this way. And these people are doing it this way. And it seems to be working. And we were arguing a rule. 
instead of training for wisdom. And when he flipped that script and said, will you tell me what do you think would be the wise choice? Suddenly, that child and we were no longer antagonistic on opposite sides of a fence, making our demands or having a tug of war. But instead, we both had joined forces to go and seek wisdom. And we began to employ that question. What is the wise choice? What is the wise thing for you to do? What would be wise right here? And we're not the source of wisdom. And culture's not the source of wisdom. And our friends aren't the source of wisdom. Not even the Sunday school teacher is the source of wisdom. There is one source of wisdom that we want to be pushing our child to see and helping them navigate. And the source of wisdom is God himself in scripture. Because everything is answered in the word. So just because I I like things to be kind of cute, we've already talked about the fact that we have a who, then we have a what, and then we have a why in the tween years. So now we're talking about being wise in the word. Isn't that cute? Alliteration. Next week will not be alliterative and you'll be okay. (laughs) But wise in the word, we want to anchor our child's wisdom into the word of God. We don't want them wise in their eyes. We don't want them wise in the world's eyes. We don't want them even to be wise in our eyes. We want them to be wise because they're anchored in the word. So we spend these years beginning in the little things to ask, to help them grow their wisdom muscles. So in our home, uh, we begin this with little things like what they watch on TV, the apps they download into their phone and the movies they desire to see. And the way we do this is no longer is it, no, you can't watch that. It is, well, tell me what you think would be wise about watching that. And what that requires of them is, number one, they have to go research whatever it is they want to watch. So a great example would be a movie. And they want to watch this movie, and all their friends are watching this movie, and they're 13 or they're 14, and all their friends are seeing this movie. And everybody's talking about it. And our quest, our answer to them when they say, hey, Mom, can, can I go on Friday night and see such and such movie I'm going with all my friends. My question is always, well, go, go look into it and tell me whether you think it will be wise or not. Now I may have an opinion on that movie, but before I ever share my opinion on that movie, I want to hear them begin to flex their wisdom muscles, which requires two things. They have to go research it. And so we use certain, um, certain resources for that to help them get information ahead of time in terms of what would be going on in that movie, what they might see or not see. We, we encourage them to use, you know, focus on the family has a plugged in online website. We encourage them to go read that. We encourage them to, um, read other reviews on movies. We want them to get a good idea because the reality is when we learn how to be wise, we should be doing that. 
Like, I don't want to go sit in a movie theater with a movie I haven't looked into because it wouldn't be wise for me. I don't, I need to guard what my eyes see too. And so we teach them that then, and then they come back and they have a conversation with us. Well, it looks like this movie has a bunch of um, violence because it's a, it's a superhero movie. Um, and we talk about that and we talk about what they may, you know, hear or see or language or, and then the conversation is this soft conversation is, do you think this would be wise for you to see or not? And if there's this hesitation, because maybe they've unpacked that there's a lot of negatives in this movie. And then the next thing would, but they, man, they want to see it. So then the next question is, well, now knowing what you are going to see in this movie or, and this works really well with an app, you know, knowing what, what are the negatives or the drawbacks of this app? What do you think are places within you that are vulnerable? Things that um, would make you feel, for instance, if it's an app and it's an app that shows what everybody's doing all the time. What are places in you that would maybe make you feel insecure or less than if you were on this app? Or what would be ways that you would need to use wisdom in how much you engage with this app to protect yourself, to protect your mind? What are ways that it's a value for you to be on this app? Let's talk about that too. What are the things that are negative that could come out of this? What would you predict or what could you see maybe being a pitfall in the future for you with this app or um, this movie and how it might be brought back up in your mind or a video game? Um, And how would that, how do you, how do you see yourself putting healthy boundaries around yourself that are wise so that your mind is guarded, your heart is protected so that you remain open to the truth of God's word and not swayed by what culture and the media and everyone else is saying. And so we begin to grow these wisdom muscles in little ways with movies and TV shows and apps and video games in these early years because they have a, you know, they have a great appetite for these things once you hand them any any kind of device, um, or, you know, they have friends and their friends are doing things. So we begin to grow wisdom. You know, it says in Proverbs two, it says the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity guarding the paths of justice, watching over the ways of his saints. And you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. And for our children, Proverbs 2 becomes this call to action where we say, I am partnering with you in these years, getting you ready to go into your own independent life, launching you out. And part of the launch 
is to help grow wisdom in you. And so we're going to be having conversations over the next years that center around what would be the wise choice. My youth pastor growing up was Andy Stanley, and he had a saying that he would make us say in the youth group, I mean, probably every Wednesday night, I I don't know, but I am in my 40s, and I have said this I can't tell you how many tens of thousands of times in my life to myself and now to my children. And the saying was this, there's good and there's bad, but that's not our cue, but rather what is the wise thing to do? And y'all, right and wrong are changing. And so we do not want to be parents who mandate right and wrong. We want to be parents who inculcate wisdom into our children so that they pursue wisdom because wisdom is different. Wisdom is anchored in the word and the word is unchanging. It does not change according to the opinion of man, but right and wrong can change and they are changing. And so we want to begin every day as we interact with our kids, shifting from just granting permission and being the yes, ma'am or the no, ma'am. And instead, being the, what is the wise thing for you to do? So then, so that's kind of the push. That's kind of what we are wanting to do. And so just like in every other stage we've already talked about, we're going to talk briefly about how, as a student of our child, do we understand where they are with wisdom? And how do we respond when they act unwisely? So just like in every other stage, we've talked about rules and we still have rules in the Kimsey home. So it's not like we've just said arbitrarily, there are no more rules and hope you're wise. And that is definitely not the message I want to send. There are rules, but we just like the law was set up to show us we could never match the law. We can never meet the law that we needed somebody else because we would never be perfect. And that person was Jesus in our home. Our rules are actually, we've talked about this before, but our rules become the doorway to engage in a gospel conversation when things aren't done well. And right here inside of this walk of wisdom, these are the years that we actually want to engage our children in the places that maybe they've, had a wreck for lack of a better word. And you know, we want to welcome the wreckage of not being wise because it's in those moments where they haven't done something well. They haven't handled a situation well. They didn't know the right thing to do. Maybe they just completely chose to do the wrong thing. We are going to meet it with a conversation of tell me what was going on. Tell me what was motivating your heart, just like we have in the other years. Help me understand why you were believing what you were believing. Then we take them back to the word of God and we begin to apply truth there. These are the lies you were believing. This is the truth. This is what would have been wise to do in that situation instead. But it's in that conversation 
in the wreckage of where they've messed up, that's actually where wisdom grows best. And I can testify to this. I can, I've had lots of conversations about what is the wise thing to do, the wise, should we do this app or not do this app? Should we, um, how, what are the good healthy parameters to put around your phone or not put around your phone? And yet, do you know when I really have great wisdom conversations with my child is when they have stepped outside of those boundaries that we've created or they've chosen to go completely opposite. And it's in those moments where sin is sitting there exposed that we meet them with grace but also truth, and we walk them back to a Savior who promises to forgive. So in, in training for wisdom, Troy and I really have a perspective with our teenagers that, that we want them to mess up in their teen years, mainly because we also believe that if you mess up, the stakes are lower when you're 13, 14, 15, even 16 and 17, even, even though you're getting up there now. Your stakes are lower if we can have the miscues now than if I were to launch a child who had never grown wisdom and just suddenly they were out on their own. Because my goal in these years, the ultimate goal, why do we grow wisdom? The reason we grow wisdom is because our goal is we want that our child to choose God's way no matter the cost. We want them to so choose Jesus, no matter the cost, no matter if they're the only one who chooses not to go on spring break, because it wouldn't be wise for them to go on spring break, or they're the only one who chooses not to go to the party on Saturday night or the spend the night or the, um, engage in that way. Maybe they're the only one who chooses not to date right now because it, they just have chosen and said that I don't think that would be wise. They're the only ones who don't operate on certain um, apps because they've real, they've decided that for their eyes, it would not be wise. Not because they're engaging in their own legalistic morality, but because they're actually choosing Jesus. And in their relationship with God, as they have sought the word and sought God, God has said for them, it's not wise. You see, when we can begin to grow wisdom in our child, then when we launch them, they have the underpinning muscles that they can begin to flex on their own. And we have seen that. We've seen that to be true with our kids. There is a very easy and free download at the, um, in the show notes this week about this movement of walking with your child from beginning to end, from learning the who to the what to the why to being wise in the word. And it, yes, it includes what, how we talk with our young adults that we're going to talk about next week. I would love for you to grab that download. It is um, easy to grab. It's just a real brief summary because I also think that oftentimes when we now have children in these teen years, this is becomes more of a circle than a linear movement. So many times my child may have already in a lot of ways been convinced of that. It's um, that who they are in, in Jesus 
and who God is and how much he loves them. They're convinced of those truths. And then they get a little bit further out in the world and their world gets rocked. And we have to kind of circle back around and begin that conversation again with them and say, this is who God is. He is sovereign. He is sovereign over your circumstances. He is faithful. He has not turned his back on you. He does not abandon you. He answers your prayers, which is a who question, right? An exploration question. And then we walk them back through. And just like the word says in the scripture, this is the gospel for you. He loves you. He is pursuing you. He wants to empower you and live through you. That's the what. Why? Because you have purpose in his kingdom. And so you need to, in this moment, I implore you to begin to walk wisely, but from a standpoint, and again, we're just circling back through the who, what, why, wise, who, what, why, wise, and we're moving them ever through that circle in conversations, leading them with good questions. Don't lecture, always ask questions. You know, with teens, we just want to ask questions. Tell me what you think. Tell me more. What I hear you saying is this. How does it line up with God's word? Do you see God at all present in your circumstances? What do you think God thinks? Those are great. We call them Socratic questions. They're open-ended questions that lead into conversation. And again, when we walk with our children with a posture of, I am walking beside you. I am not in front of you. I am not standing over you. I am walking right beside you shoulder to shoulder. I will step in front of you and take the blow if I can. But if not, I promise you, I will teach you how to pick up your sword and do the battle. When we begin to equip them with wisdom in these years, we are doing the work that will help them. And we pray, help them choose Jesus above all else. So there's an easy download of that concept. Um, There is more written about it on my blog and my website. I would love for you to go there. And again, if you have any questions, if you want to talk this out, or if you just need someone to pray, because you're in a really hard and painful place with your teenager, please reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram really easily. And I'm really active there. I will talk to you if you send me a message, I promise. Um, And you can also email me at my website and I will get back to you on that too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.